They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Tokyo Talk boy. to music. I said, ready, set, go. It's the recap show. I said, ready, set, go. It's the recap show. BET 2019. BET 2019. BET 2019. BET 2019. Hello, everybody. Did you watch? Did you watch? Did you watch? Are you watching later? Did you DVR? What's going on? This was the 2019 BET Awards last night. Um, And this is my recap show, but first let me tell you who I am and what I do. Welcome to Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into pop culture. I'm your host, Craig Seymour. You know me. I've been writing about pop culture for more than 20 years now. You can read some of my music writing at rnbeing.com. And I'm also an author who has written a number of books, the biography, Luther, The Life and Longing of Luther Vandross, my memoir about being a grad school stripper hoe, All I Could Bear, My Life in the Strip Clubs of Gay Washington, D.C., and my novel about three generations of black gay men looking for love, and that's called Who's Your Daddy? Okay, and then what you have to look forward to is that my new book is um, soon to be coming out. It's called Special, The Life and Art of Janet Jackson. So be out on the lookout for that. Um, so this is a very special edition show. Usually I do this on Thursday nights, but every now and a good again, um, I want to just do a show just to get some stuff off of mind when there's been a event, you know, like a cultural event or something that I feel is um, worth commenting on. And hold on, y'all need some Red Bull. The last time I did is for the Grammys, you know. So anyway, here we are. And this is for the 2019 BET Awards. And, you know, overall, I would have to say, I, I mean, there's so many, we have so much ex- many expectations with BET Awards because it's our awards. It's us. And it's the biggest awards we get. So I think that there are a lot of heightened expectations every year. Um, overall, I thought it was a good show. You know, it wasn't the most star-studded of BET Awards. Um, but there also weren't too many embarrassing moments or anything like that. Nobody was really, you know, going crazy or there was nothing um, out of order, which depending upon how you think of it, that either makes a good show or le- or a bad show. You know, it's nothing like, do y'all remember that time Nicki Minaj, it was the Hello Good Morning remix um, with Puffy and like, there was so much smoke on the stage. Like, you couldn't see nobody and it was almost like she was going, you know, I came up in it <coughs> a little self-centered, <coughs> but then I kill a queen. You know, it was like, people was choking on stage and stuff. So, we didn't have nothing like that this year. But, uh, oh, we had nothing where somebody didn't turn the fan up high enough um, during Beyonce's Deja, Deja Vu, but she still managed to kill it anyway. Nothing like that. But we did have a good, um, entertaining show, I thought. Uh, the show opened with Barty and Offset doing clout, um, and then she transitioned into press. And I kind of thought that the crowd was sort of lukewarm for press, and I guess most people just aren't as obsessed with um, Cardi's IG page as I am, because to me, press has, like, been out, even though I think it's probably only out, what, like, a week or two? But I just felt like that was a little bit... Um, 
it was a little bit less energy from the crowd than I'm used to seeing um, Barty get. But at the same time, I mean, one thing I really think Cardi needs to get credit for, like, I don't care about the writing, I don't give a goddamn, you know, I think she really deserves a lot of credit for when she got her moment to shine and got the moment to step into that spotlight where you have to be a star. You can't just be, you know, just some little hood person from Love and Hip Hop Atlanta or something like that. You really have to be a star you know, and and compete on a stage with people that have been doing this for decades and decades and decades. I think that she's consistently been able to do that. Um, I think she consistently brings you great production on um during her performances she brings you great choreography she never seems overwhelmed by the choreography or overwhelmed by the production and that's no easy task because um you know i love nikki to death i'll probably listen to megatron a couple of times before i go to sleep tonight but i felt like it took nikki because the image was so strong with her initially it took her a little while to get into the award, what makes a great award show performance, where in a lot of ways less is more, and you really just want to get the crowd energy going, as opposed to sort of giving somebody some big theater piece, like they're at Broadway or something like that. Because I remember her first Grammy Awards performance or something, she had like the Catholic Church and the Pope and all this kind of stuff, and you like never got into the groove of the song. Um, I find that a lot of times with the MTV Music Awards is that there's often so much production that the person can never really just let loose and just get into the song, get the crowd into the song. That's why I thought when Rihanna did her, um, her, you know, when she did all those different performances that one night when she got the Video Vanguard Award, it was so great because it was really kept simple. Same thing with Beyonce. She was moving around and everything, and she was doing a lot of choreography, but it wasn't like, okay, I have to be to this set piece and that set piece. So anyway, all I'm saying is that Cardi does award shows really well. I think perhaps her best award show performance was when she did um, Money earlier this year at the Grammys, and I just think that she deserves credit for that because that is not something that is necessarily um, easy to do. Um, Let me see. So shout out to Regina Hall. Y'all know I love me some Regina Hall. I've been telling y'all to see Support the Girls. I hope that you finally seen Support the Girls. Um, but you know what I recently saw on HBO? And I feel kind of ashamed I didn't see it in the movies or something. But something about it just didn't. And I didn't even, I didn't read the book either. But um, I saw The Hate You Give on HBO. And it was good as I don't know what. Like I was. Because you know I half watch stuff. I'd be doing something like on my computer. And you know I'd be looking up every couple of scenes, you're like, oh, what's um, okay, and I mean, I damn near closed my laptop, it was really, really good, um, and Regina was great, and then as a mother, and I think it just proves, again, Regina's range, like, she can really do hysterical comedy, but she's, there's a soulfulness to her that allows her to do other things, so I just love Regina Hall, shout out to Regina Hall, give her all her flowers and everything, I just think she is really, um, just a really special talent for our time. So I love her. And of course, as a DC native, I love that too. I love all the shots, shout outs to DC and to DC history. I have never been a huge GoGo fan. I used to work at the Wiz for my DC people. So listen, I used to work at the Wiz on F Street. That could have easily been one of those back of the day pictures that she showed because the Wiz on F Street, that was when F Street was still kind of rough. And I used to be there. I used to sell GoGo records. Like, oh, yeah, you want the one that goes, or you want the one that goes, I knew all the shit. 
it just wasn't my shit. That wasn't the shit that I was taking home. But I was much more into hip hop. But you know, I knew, uh, I knew, um, you know, the records and all the, you know, go go boys and stuff would come over. No, I want the little light skinned boy to um, help me because he always knows my shit. You know, so that was um, part of my DC history. But I also love that she showed um, a picture of the old 14th and U corridor, which used to be sort of the um, hub for outdoor sex work. Um, And I talk about this a lot in my um, book, All I Could Bear, but I was just fascinated by the working girls and all their, you know, sparkles and makeup and everything. And it it actually used to just be a thing, like when people, probably because I come from country-ass people. So, like, when relatives would come from town, from, like, North Carolina or just someplace like that, we would always, because we big city people, you know what I'm saying? So, like, we would always drive them down. 14th Street so they could see the girls pop in and all that kind of stuff. And of course, their eyes be, well, oh my God, we can't believe this is happening. We can't believe they couldn't even believe people were out that late at night. And it would be damn like 930 at night or something like that. But like I said, I do come from country people. So I'm that's my roots. And that used to be kind of like just, you know, cheap black entertainment. We would just drive up and down the street. So um, like I said, you know, that was just nice to see within a context of a um, big black award show. Because I just feel like DC doesn't really get enough love like that. Like, I just, I don't know why. I think it is because Go-Go is so marginalized. So we can't really claim a music that everybody likes. You know, we can't be like Houston. We can't be like Atlanta. We can't be like New York. We can't be like Oakland. We can't be like LA. You know, because a lot of people don't be liking Go-Go. And occasionally you get people that you know go to Howard and then they might develop an appreciation for Go-Go, but I think it kind of leaves, once they get that little diploma and the tassel goes from one child, I think they leave the Go-Go behind. So I don't know, DC. I don't know if we need to come up with another type of music or whatever. You know, we've had these moments where Go-Go gets in the spotlight, then it goes back underground. I just don't know. All I know is I love my city, but I'm just not that particular about Go-Go. All right. Um, but another thing is they talked a lot about Marion Barry, and this is actually a forgotten, that something that really goes forgotten because of a lot of his later scandals. But, you know, this is Craig's pop life, so I always put y'all on on that good history that's important. And he actually became mayor in 1978 in part by agreeing to end raids on gay bars. Okay, I know a lot of people are all into the Stonewall history and stuff like that at this time, and that was a still a big thing all across the country. You know, there would be raids on gay bars. There would be raids on gay bars. This was in, um, you know, 1978, so it was um, almost a decade after Stonewall, but there were still issues in D.C. with gay bars getting raided. So Marion Barry, you know, strong black man, um, decided that that would be part of his agenda, that he reached out to the gays and said, this is one thing that we will stop. So I think that's just important in so many ways. It's important to um, give this man back his dignity because Marion Barry did a lot of great things in D.C. and we're not defined, but we should not be defined by um, our problems. But, you know, and I know he did a lot of economic things. I know my cousin's um, DC always has summer jobs, always stuff like that. So he did a lot of great things. And I also think at a time when it's so easy to, it's such a knee jerk reaction to talk about black homophobia, to talk about the black establishment 
being homophobic. We're talking about this man who won D.C. by appealing to working class black people in D.C. and the people that were often overlooked by D.C. And part of him reaching out was also reaching out to gay people. So I just think that's an important moment and that's something that um, we can't just let slip by. And that's something you get when you listen to Craig's Pop Life. You get another perspective, okay? So um, what else happened? Lizzo performed and... um, I just have to, I just want to make one thing perfectly clear. Like, I support everything Lizzo does a thousand percent. You know, I love what she stands for. I love, the, you know, big body shaking, doing her thing, owning herself. I love that, you know, that she's so involved in her music and everything like that. I'm sorry. I just don't, it, the music's just not for me. So I always find this ambivalent thing with watching Lizzo because I'm always like, yeah, girl, yeah, get it, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm. But, like, I would never, you know, play a Lizzo song or anything like that because it's just too poppy and cheerleader-y for me, you know. I always feel like it's a chant or something. Like, it it just feels too, um, what's the word? Like, it feels so on the level. Like, there's nothing. Once you listen to it once and you get the message. Yeah, I get the message. Okay, I got juice and everything like that. There just doesn't. For me, there's nothing else to then listen to from it. You know, it's just kind of all on that one level. That's just how I feel about it. But I love how that Lizzo exists. I love that she's so popular. I love seeing her making this money, getting all the coin. Um, I love to see her getting prominent places on all these award shows. I love that she's empowering people. The music just ain't for me. And, you know, not everybody, not everything's for everybody. But I guess the the only reason I point it up is because, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like I feel left out because I would love to be a whole part of the Lizzo movement. Because, you know, I'm a merch guy. I would love to have the merch. I would love to have the this and that. I would love to be recommending it to people that might not be into hip-hop. I would love to just be Team Lizzo all the time, but I just really don't like the music. So um, that is that. What y'all think of the baby's performance? Um, I, I haven't talked about it a lot just because I've been talking about other things, but I've, one of my most played albums of late is that the baby album. Um, I love it. But something seemed off with the performance. Like the sound was almost, or the bass was so low, I almost didn't recognize the song at first. But I really do like the baby. So whatever you felt about the performance or whatever, if you like hip hop, I would definitely give it a suspend. You know, it, I like it a lot. And play this song called Best Friend. That's my favorite song on the track on the DaBaby album. Check out Best Friend. You might like it. You might not like it. You might prefer to listen to Lizzo. And that's all fine. This is a big, Craig's Pop Life is a big tent. We welcome all. But I'm just saying, you know, give it a try. Um, Of course, I love City Girls. It was just too short for me. But um, I just love my girl, Young Miami. Um, And she didn't even really look that pregnant to me, which I thought was surprising because I thought she really could have used this as the opportunity to come out as pregnant after this or something because I didn't really feel like she looked pregnant. But I just love Young Miami's attitude. I've always loved Young Miami's attitude. It's like a lot of times I like people, and I, I think this is probably a general... Um, it's I, I, like I don't think this is just me. I think a lot of times we like people because they because rec- we recognized in them something from our lives. And like Carisha from um, 
from City Girls just reminds me of that friend you have that's like a superstar. You know, not even whatever she does, she's a superstar at it. Whether or not she does karaoke or whether or not she can dance or whether or not she really can burn in the kitchen or whatever she does, she's just a superstar. But she's always one of the reluctant people. You always have to have to be begging her. Oh, come on, Carisha. Oh, come on. Do that dance, Carisha. Oh, you can do that dance. Come on, Carisha. Just do it real quick. Come on, Carisha. Come on, Carisha. Come on. You have to just do that. And then she's like, oh, no, nah, I feel like doing Y'all play too much. Uh-uh. I got stuff to do. And then she finally does it. And then everybody's like, oh, Carisha, Carisha, Carisha. I just feel like she always has that look on her face like, y'all, I don't even feel like doing this, but watch me twerk. You know what I mean? I, I, so I just really love that attitude. So um, shout out to Young Miami and um, Free JT. So next, and um, that's a transition that kind of transition means I could not unstick my note cards. Um, of course, the moment of the night, the moment of the night uh, was Mary J. Blige receiving um, the Lifetime Achievement Award, something that's been a lot of Twitter buzz about it. I think one thing that I thought was so great about this moment in Twitter is I don't really think, see, saw a lot of people go, oh, why is she getting married? Why is Mary J. Blige and it was really all about support of Mary and just wondering like what the moment was going to be. It just seemed like everybody in the social media verse was just really amped and hyped to see Mary get this award. And for me, I mean, I've literally been obsessed with Mary ever since I first heard you remind me on the radio. I was, excuse me, y'all. <coughs> Damn, it's like, is the BET fog machine man from the early 2000s and something in this room? Because I'm choking. Damn. Um, anyway, I've literally been obsessed with, um, Mary since I first heard you remind me on the radio. I was 24 years old. Um, I didn't know what she looked like. I know, you know, anything about her. I just knew that there was something in her vocals, just that yearning, just touched my soul just through the radio, you know, because it wasn't even out yet. And just the rhythmic way that she sang just was so, like, hip-hop, so like, uh, uh, what, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and that was just so new coming after, you know, yet another string of Anita Baker records or something like that. Because there was a time when R&B radio in the late 80s and um, even early 90s. And I'm not dissing any, I'm not dissing artists. I wrote a book about Luther Vandross, so don't even start there with me. But there really was a time when um, R&B radio was just slow like it was like it would be slow during the day and then it would even get slower at night around the quiet storm types so when you had somebody like popping and young and you know it was just a really it was just a breath of fresh air and I loved her ever since then I went to see her first tour I don't even think the album was out it was just her Joe to see and somebody else and luckily she had merch so I still have my original Mary J Blige baseball cap from that show. And it's just been a 27-year-old love affair, you know. I mean, Mary has empowered me to be strong, to be perseverant, to make um, art from things that others try to hide. And without MJB, without MJB, there would have never been an All I Could Bear. I don't think I would have ever written a memoir. And she's, in fact, she's mentioned several times in the book because she just... It was like she was something new. She was something of my age, and she just inspired me to 
think that when you see somebody of your generation making such a big impact, that I think just empowers you to go, well, I can do that shit. You know, well, maybe I can do, I might not do it like she do it, but I maybe I really could do something. You know, I know I, the um, only person I can think of similar to that in my life was when I was like a teenager and when Madonna first dropped. Now, of course, I'm not white. I'm not a white woman. Um, but just that energy she had to just get out there and be half dressed and everything like that. And I'm a teenager, of course, you know, I want to be out there and be half dressed and whatever. And I'm gay. So I want to, you know, I wasn't out, but it was really, it was the kind of thing that it's not just the music that inspires, but it's something about the music that gets inside of you and inspires, inspires the way that you actually start to move through the world. So that's um, just another reason why I love Mary. And of course, Rihanna was the perfect person to introduce her. And I'm not trying to come out like Miss Cleo or anything. I'm not saying I have any kind of special clairvoyant powers or whatever like that. But Okay, when everybody was on Twitter going, oh, who should perform at the thing? Who should perform at the thing? Who should perform at the um, at Mary J. Blige Distribute? All I did was post it. Well, that's not all I did. I did suggest some singer, so I'm not going to sit up here and lie. But one of the things I did when people said, who, who would you like to see? I just posted a GIF of Rihanna singing along to... Um, Mary J. Blige is just fine at an awards show performance. So I already had the universe. I was putting Rihanna out in the universe. So um, another thing is, so it sort of seemed to make, it, increasingly it began to make sense because I felt like, you know how these award shows things work with schedules. They're, they're, the, the date is way, way in advance and people put them on their calendars depending on what they're going to be doing. So I figured that it probably was on Rihanna's calendar in that just in case she had music by this time. It was probably there. And since she was already in town doing the Fenty pop-up in New York and then doing the Seth Meyers thing, increasingly I was kind of like, yeah, Rihanna gonna show up. Rihanna gonna show up. And of course she looked beautiful in her Mary-esque black leather um, and really just gave the perfect tribute when she said um, to Mary, she said this to Mary, thank you for being you so that we could feel comfortable being ourselves. That is just such a um, true assessment of what Mary brought to, well, brought to the world, but brought to R&B music, specifically when you think about that she came out at a time when um you know, who was popular. You got the Whitney's, but Whitney's talked, you know, both before her death and in the documents after her death about how she never really felt that she could be herself. You know, I think even Janet has talked about sort of the unlayerings that she had to do, you know, um, in terms of control was all very much about that attitude and she was almost in armor and those shoulder pads and everything like that and then with rhythm nation with the militaristic things she had to kind of don that in order to put across that um message about race and then slowly the layers started coming off until we start getting to janet where she really could just be comfortable in her own skin and incidentally, that's the way love goes. Jimmy Jam has always said was influenced by some of the um, the sampling that was done on Mary J. Blige is my life. So again, an issue of um, sort of newcomers often can impact legends. But um, I know a lot of us can relate 
to um, that message so much. And of course, that has been Rihanna's career, just doing what she wanted to do and be herself. And I'm sure that she probably has thought of Mary many times in her career when maybe the label or just somebody wanted her to go back to be more pop and be everything uh, and be like that. But I think Mary stood as an example to show that you could achieve your greatest success by standing in your own truth. So I can imagine maybe that helped her after the Chris Brown incident and everything. So I just loved that she was there to give that um, tribute. And as for the Mary performances in general, first of all, just thank God that she did it herself um, for a number of reasons. First, no one can do Mary like Mary, and that's that. So it was just great to be able to just sit back and enjoy a really great Mary J. Blood medley and not have to worry about, oh, somebody didn't do this right or somebody didn't bring this kind of energy or do you call that a Mary Bop? What, what is you doing? You know, that we could just relax into the merriness of it and didn't have to be on the edge of our seats like, okay, who's going to fuck this up? Who's going to get flamed on Twitter by messing up the lyrics to whatever you know so that was a nice moment um and then the other thing that i really liked is that she used this moment because you know these bt things they play these forever there was four hours of bt moments before the bt shows even came on so these things do sort of live on in history and have kind of a life of themselves and i thought it was really wonderful that she got to define her canon herself she got to define the the songs that she wanted to be remembered by not just the songs that happened to be in some guest vocalist key like whatever LMA's key was or whoever was going to show up or Tiana Taylor you know she got to say to do what she wanted to do in her way without being interpreted and I just thought that was so powerful and I really thought y'all know I don't have no kids or nothing but it was a really incredible cultural and historical moment because I thought that parents could sit there with their kids and like explain the greatness of Mary and they see it right then and there. They don't have to see somebody else trying to do Mary and then they have to translate, oh yeah, Mary used to be bad back in the day. She used to do it like this. No, this was Mary, full on Mary. This was A plus Mary. This was everything Mary is at the highest level. And I thought that that was a great way for the younger audience who didn't grow up with Mary like that to really experience her power and her energy just undiluted right there on the stage. And I, I just thought that that was really powerful for younger viewers to be able to get that. I thought the guest spots were cool. Method Man. I thought Little Kim did her thing. Um, I give her a lot of criticism, as people know, as people have been flaming me and stuff like that. My main issue is I just think the new music just is never ever hitting, you know. But when it when you put Little Kim on a stage and have her sing them old hits, Little Kim delivered. Little Kim's raw. Little Kim gives it to you. So, um, speaking of people with a need a ghostwriter, you know, people criticizing McCarty. I mean, Big wrote. Kim's best verses. I don't, granted, you can't just find another ghostwriter like Big, but I also just don't understand why we can't find somebody that can um, just give Kim some better material. Because this stuff she's doing, this go-offs and stuff, it's just not what we need. So, you know, just put it out to the inter put it out to the universe. And I also, want, I don't know. I just that, and that's where honestly, this whole nonsense about who writes their own songs and stuff is just so. It, it just leads to a um, 
it just it leads to a place from which there's really can be no great creative offering because it's great. I loved Megan the Stallion. Um, writes her own stuff and indeed she deserved to be on the main stage it was ridiculous that she was just on the intro but anyway she was and that's great and i think sometimes you can say that you know it's like an added thing that somebody is a great performer and can write their own songs just in the way it could be a great thing if somebody's a great performer and they're able to dance or somebody's a great performer and they're able to act like these are just things that are other skills that they have but i think the way that we try to make it so that hip-hop People that are great rappers, have great voices, have great sense of rhythm, have great sense of performance, that they have to write every single thing, chapter or verse. I think we really limit um, our performers' abilities to be out there and to make an impact. So, like I said, if somebody else is writing Cardi's rhymes, please just continue to write them and let her be great. And I really wish Kim could find another collaborator. You know, there'll never be another Big, so she can't find another collaborator like Big, but just somebody that's really talented that could give her some rhymes that are her due. Um, But, you know, one thing that I just, because this is Craig's pop life, we say names, we remember people who don't necessarily get remembered in the mainstream. And one of the things that kept going through my head watching the Mary, um, performance, especially given the song selection, was the absence of Kenny Green. Now, if you don't know, Kenny was the member of, was a member of the R&B group Intro, and they had a hit with a cover of Stevie Wonder's Ribbon in the Sky. But Kenny was also a writer and producer and a member of The Untouchables. We don't talk about The Untouchables a lot anymore, but The Untouchables was like a production collective, just like Puffy's Hitmen and things like that. And um, it included Eddie F., who is known for his work with Heavy D and the Boys. Pete Rock was a member of the Untouchables. You know, Pete Rock, Pete Rock and CL Smooth. And Dave Jam Hall was a member of the Untouchables. And he, of course, did a lot of the production on Mary's 411. And he later did Mariah's Dream Lover. And Kenny Smooth was a member of that, too. And the Untouchables, I mean, they were hot in the early in the early 90s. I mean, if you look at the old TLC singles, the original TLC singles, almost all of them had Untouchables remixes. It was kind of like, especially for the LaFace artists and stuff, it was sort of like, since that was Southern, if you wanted to get that New York feel, then you would get an Untouchable remix, okay? And they even put out an album in 94. It was like a DJ Khaled-like album. And they had everybody on there. They had... Big, they had Pac, they had Changing Faces. So, I mean, the Untouchables were really something at a given moment. And Kenny Green was a part of the Untouchables. And he wrote a number of 411 bops that live on to this day, two of which he did on during the medley. He wrote My Love, he wrote Reminisce, and he wrote Love No Limit. You know, where she's always giving us the merry dance. Like, just when you thought, I know a lot of y'all were watching close. Like, just when you thought you might not get that merry dance. So she puts her hand over her head and gets a little kick. Just when you thought you might not get that. That Love No Limit beat came in and you got what you had been waiting for. And the story with Kenny is that he was bisexual, okay? But this was the 90s, so he remained closeted within the industry. And he was also really good friends with Jill Marie Jones, you know, Tony Childs from Girlfriends. And this is what she had to say about him and sort of the struggles that he was dealing with in the industry. She said, the pressure to be a straight man in the alpha male world of being a black man and a R&B singer was enormous. 
Again, let me read that again just to make sure I got it right. The pressure to be a straight man in the alpha male world of being a black man and an R&B singer was enormous. So that's what he was dealing with this whole time. And, you know, I mean, I don't... Who knows what happened, but, you know, of course, Mary worked mostly with Chucky on the next album and everything like that. So Kenny's career didn't really take off in terms of the writing sphere like it might have if somebody wrote so many great songs by another artist. And then in 2000, Kenny discovered a bruise on his foot and it just wouldn't heal. It wouldn't heal. It wouldn't heal. And so finally he went to the doctor where they diagnosed him with AIDS And unfortunately, he was dead one year later. So as we celebrate Mary, let's also take a moment to remember Kenny Green and what he brought, what he brought to her her career specifically, but then also just the music that he gave us all. So shout out Kenny Green. Um, Other than that, I thought the show flowed well. Again, even if it wasn't necessarily the most exciting show in the world. I really love the healing energy of Nipsey Hussle's mother. I love that story of her, you know, putting her hands on the shoulder of his friend and and kind of helping him move away from that retaliation energy. I loved her speaking to the young woman who was all hysterical and being like, look, I'm his mama. If I'm not acting like this, then you don't need to be acting like this. You need to be helping me get my car out of the parking lot so I can get to the hospital. I loved that. Um, And though I don't tend to care for his work, you know, that's a cliche, but it's just the truth. And we live our truth here at Craig's Pop Life. I really loved um, what Tyler Perry had to say about the importance of following your dreams. Because I think sometimes it's very easy to think that following your dreams can be a selfish thing. But I really love what Tyler said about following your dreams, that it ain't just about you. He said, there are peoples whose lives are tied into your dreams. Own your stuff. Own your business. Own your way. And that is so damn true. It's like people will make it seem like it's selfish and it might feel selfish, but sometimes you have to think about it. You know, and it doesn't even always have to be in terms of, um, you know, not everybody's going to go out and make and have a studio. Not everybody's going to go out and start a business that has employees, right? But you can create a piece of work. You can create a piece of art that influences somebody to make a change in their life to to make their own art that might you know, employ other people or might touch other people. You never know what you do. So I don't think making art is a selfish pursuit. It really is um about a calling and you wouldn't have the calling if it wasn't meant for you to do. And if you don't answer that calling, then you are actually doing not doing something that you are supposed to do. And that thing could have a profound effect on other people, which means it would have a, a profound effect on the world. So I think that's a really good place to um, end it, whether or not you are on your way to bed like me, it's 3.33, or um, getting up, you know, just thinking about what, um, you know, just what what's your dream and how can you make it happen and, and how can you make it happen in a way that it feels like you're doing something for the world as opposed to you're doing something selfish and maybe taking time away from your loved ones and everything like that. Because if you think about it, you know, there are a lot of pursuits that we sacrifice time for and we feel is justified. Like if you're going to go march for something, if you're going to go do other things, volunteer, um, that's 
that's a um, reason, socially accepted reason, to kind of take time away from your regular schedule to do. But Creating a work of art is the same way because creating a work of art can have the same effect on people and sometimes even a greater effect on people than those other pursuits. So live your dreams. If you have a dream, and sometimes you don't, and that's fine. Like sometimes people just don't even have something right away. So don't stress yourself out. If you don't feel like you have a calling right now, then maybe you don't have a calling right now. Maybe you are exactly what you're doing, what you're supposed to do, and that is exactly right. And then you and you really need to kind of sit in that and accept that and accept kind of like maybe because a lot of times we're doing stuff that and we don't really we don't really it's kind of like that it's a wonderful life type situation a lot of times I know I've talked to people and they feel like well I don't have a calling all I do is um all I am is a nurse at the hospital well if you sit in that, what you're doing, you're helping people cross over, you're helping people feel better, you're helping people, all that. So sometimes we're already in the place that we're called to do. We just haven't connected that to the spiritual level of the calling, but we're already doing it. So wherever place you are, just give a chance to think about that and just, you know, think about um, how what we do in this world can help others, can inspire others, and if that's something to take away from a celebration of black art, then I think that's very good. So until next week, not next week, dag, I shall do on Thursday. So until just a little bit later, y'all, be cool, be kind, be creative. And the words of not only my fave, but one of Mary J. Blood. Oop, I just hit the mic. Let me just say that all over again. Until next week, be cool, be kind. Be creative, and in the words of not only my fave, but one of Mary J. Blige's faves. Be your damn self. <laughs> All right. I love y'all. Bye. <laughs>